This is Dr. Frank Leon Roberts. And my name is Aldo B. Martin. And this is Finding James Baldwin. The year is 1941. Fats Waller, who himself attended Clinton High School, was busy making music, and in 1941, he put out a song called All That Meat and No Potatoes. <laughs> now there's a title. Dr. Seuss wrote Horton Hatches the Egg. While Superman is known to be faster than a speeding bullet, the movie Superman hit the silver screen, albeit an animated version. The Yankees beat the Brooklyn Dodgers in the World Series, and a horse named Whirlaway won the famed and much sought after Triple Crown. This is the backdrop to which a young James Baldwin wrote a poem called Closing Doors. All right, so, Frank, the audience is about to hear a poem. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's been a while. Let me... <clears throat> you ready for it, audience? A, uh... A, uh... A poem. 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 <laughs> oh, we got to echo with that. <laughs> okay. So, we're about to hear Closing Doors, right? One of the many poems. Oddly enough... The majority of the works he wrote in the Magpie were poems. And if you were to ask his earlier friends, his earlier friends, the people that knew him way back when, they would say that he would describe himself as a poet early on. Closing doors. When the morn is breaking and the night is over, I am tortured, listening to closing door. Closing doors have ever torn my soul apart. I am tortured, listening to my love depart. All of my desire, all that I hold dear, leaves me in the morning, cold and trembling here. Beside a dying fire, with my starved heart, closing doors have ever torn my soul apart. James Baldwin. Okay, so fun fact about this this poem. This appeared in the spring 1941 issue of the Magpie, and it was not in the table of contents. Mm. So wait a minute. Hold on. Pause right. Stay right there. So what you were saying 
<laughs> is that we have an Aldo <laughs> and Dr. Frank finding James Baldwin exclusive here, right? <laughs> I guess so. Because let me let does it exist in any of the existing scholarly commentary on Baldwin? Has it ever been a reference to closing doors? Oh man, let me let, let's take a I look. I don't think so. Oh, you got it right there. Look at this. Yo, okay, audience, you, you guys can't see this, but but he pulled out the binder. Not the binder. He pulled out Capital a binder. Letters. And it was, it was uh, is it in the binder? It is in the binder. All right, then. He pulled out a binder and it was highlighted. It was, which means <laughs> it's that Raiders of the Lost Ark. There is no existing scholarly commentary on this poem. It was hidden. And, yeah. and, and here's what I like about it being hidden and not in the table of contents. The spring 1941 issue of the Magpie was edited yeah. By his dear friend Richard Avedon. Let's talk you, about Rich. Well, not yet. Okay. Not yet. We okay. listen, we got an episode. This is a this is a precursor for Rich. Okay. All right. So, real quick, Richard Avedon became one of America's foremost photographers of the 20th century. Absolutely. If not the he went to Clinton High School and wrote in the Magpie. We have an episode about him coming up much later. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. But he was the editor for this edition. And I'm wondering if he did a solid for his boy, Jimmy. And said, yo, you know what, Jimmy, I know you're supposed to get three, but I'm, I'm going to give you five. And the other thing, how it actually relates to Avenue without going into Avenue too much is, Brother Aldo, you know this, that Richard Avenue and Baldwin, when they graduated, yeah. they had started to work on a project together. Oh, man. Hold up. Are we going there? Well, it's because it's in the title. We kind of have to. I don't. Uh, but it's a direct reference. Uh, so that I want to wait. I want to wait. Hold man. on. So off the record. So you do know. Do you know the reference I'm going to make? The book. No, 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 not that one. So oh, they were working. Please, okay, please. So okay, go. my bad. So now we're going to leave that in. Okay, <laughs> we're going to leave that in. <laughs> Real time. Go ahead. So no, Baldwin and um, uh, Baldwin and Abaddon were working on a project called Harlem Doorways. Oh. And there's a fantastic oh. in the Pulitzer Prize winning brother Hilton Owls' wonderful traveling exhibit, which was most recently at Amherst College called God Made My Face. He has this wonderful image taken by Abaddon of a Harlem doorway that was supposed to be part of this project that Baldwin and Abaddon were supposed to collaborate on. It never happened. Ooh. But here we see, I'm wondering with the reference to closing doors... Could this actually have been a part of this never completed Avedon and Baldwin collaboration that was about literally observing doorways in upper New York, upper Manhattan? Could this have inspired that? Exactly. Exactly. Could it have inspired it? Could it happen? Were they already working on it? But absolutely. Could it have inspired it? Oh, you see, this is this is what I love about this podcast. Yeah. And having these conversations because, A... For me, the mark of a good podcast is when you're listening to the people, would they have these conversations even if there was no microphone? Right. And for you and I, clearly, we'd be having these conversations That's right. even if there was no microphone. Right. I'm mad we did not have a microphone on the car ride up here. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. We said some stuff, and I don't know if we're going to re- be able to yeah. recreate that moment again. Yeah. So I love that. I had no idea about that. I really Harlem thought you were going to talk about the other book. No, not nothing personal, man. Oh, because the man. funny part we won't talk about nothing personal. But if you know the, the the sort of history, nothing personal in some ways came as a kind of payback, Baldwin's payback 
for never completing the Harlem Doorways project with Avenant. And here we see buried in the pages of the spring 1941 issue of the Magpie, not even listed on the table of contents, this poem called Closing Doors. So there's that. You know, <sighs> we're just on the title. We didn't even get to the content. We didn't get to the content. But yeah. when you compare this poem to the romanticism of paradise, mm. it's different. Yeah. It's more of a somber mood. Yep. And and for me, this poem represents uh, uh, a loss of opportunity. Yep. And the disappointment that comes along with that. Right. I think everyone has felt that at some point. For me, this is special because it allows us to see how teenage Baldwin views that. Yeah views the loss of opportunity yep. you know how, how he views that and i think that's that's wonderful but i also well not wonderful but it's wonderful to see is what i mean right but then when you when you compare it to what he would write later on yeah james baldwin only published one book of poetry mm-hmm. jimmy's blues yeah and that was later on in life yep and that was ironically one of his more least popular wor- mm-hmm. works mm-hmm. because i believe to this day to yeah. this day i believe it was said that that's one of the only ones that went out of print mm-hmm. at some point yeah right but in that he has a poem called inventory on being 52 mm. so here's james baldwin as a 50 year old man so let's i'm going to read some of it okay i'm going to read some of it right now for for yourself and for the audience so i want you to hear the words that i'm saying understand this is a 52 year old baldwin and let's compare it to what a writing at 17 right Writing at 17. Or no, I'm sorry. So you're on uh, inventory. inventory. on being 52. Right, right, 52. right, right. So here we go. Perhaps I should locate. Wait, hold up. Let me. I don't have young man eyes. <laughs> let me let me pull that a little closer. I really yeah. played myself. I apologize, yeah. audience. No, no, no. Perhaps I should locate the turning and then start back and study the road I've traveled. Oh, I was in a hurry. But it was not, after all. If I remember an ugly road at all, sometimes I saw wonders greater than any pl- than any palace. Yes, and sometimes joy leaped out, mightier than the lightning of my robe, and kissed my nakedness. Songs came out of rocks and stones and chains. Wonder baptized me. Old trees sometimes opened and let me in, and led me along their roots down to the bottom. Of the rain. So think about how 52-year-old Baldwin here, in this instance, views life. And it seemed to be a bit more optimistic. Am I am I am I being too simplistic in that? No, I don't think so. Right? And then compare that with 16-year-old James Baldwin writing about closing doors and the loss of opportunity. I love that because it's an opportunity for us to again see Baldwin in rehearsal. What are your thoughts, man? Yeah, well, you know, fifty-two-year-old Baldwin would have been a Baldwin around nineteen seventy-six. Okay, which is to say, we're that would have been Baldwin in the the evening season of his life, right? With only essentially ten years left. Yeah. Um, I mean, just in terms of the question of like literary form, we see how freed the writer is in this later poem, Inventory which has a much more free verse style. I mean, what I love about that early poem, um, Closing Doors, is that you can tell this is someone who is in a link, an AP literature class, who's trying to recreate this somewhat neoclassical style. The first line is, when the morn is breaking and the night is o'er. You know, um, that 
those rhyming patterns themselves are very neoclassical. Mm-hmm. And so we see that this is it's an amateur poem and that it's really someone who is a young person trying to make sure that the poem rhymes and that it yeah. has certain literary. <laughs> yeah. What I'm getting at is when we get to inventory on being 52, this is a man who has nothing to prove. Like, let's think, no, perhaps I should no. locate the turning and then start back. Right. There's no emphasis. He's not trying to rhyme. He's not trying to prove anything. Perfect. Yeah. Iamic pentameter. He is saying. Oh, there goes that word again. Iamic pentameter from my, from my, and I am not a poetry guy. That is not my area of literary analysis. So my colleagues who may be listening, uh, I have no business talking about a poetic but, but, form but, 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 you make, but you make it sound so smooth. Though. Hey, I'll stick to fiction in dramatic form. But I bet. But I know a little bit about iamic pentameter. And, and, and we see in inventory on being 52, Baldwin is not worried about those questions right and no. so i say that to say it's just a testimony to his development as a writer the freeing of him um as a human being yeah um and so yeah i think all of that is very much in there i mean the other piece is you know what's interesting about what we've discovered in these writings for the magpie or from the magpie rather to your point so many of them are poems yep um and of course though when we think about james baldwin we do not think of Baldwin the poet. No, we Just don't. Just like we often don't think about Baldwin the playwright. No, we know? don't. We think about Baldwin the essayist, and we think about Baldwin the novelist. Here, the magpie seems to be that space where he was working through these forms that another he Another element. Another element. He was much more experimental, and he was actually working through forms that he would often you know, leave to the side in, his, in what will become his extraordinary uh, public career. So- that's just interesting to actually like see all these iterations of like Jimmy the poet working things out. I, I want to speak about the magpie for a second here. I wanted yeah. to save this bit for 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 another conversation, but I'll say it now. What I want the audience to understand about the magpie is that this is Baldwin writing amongst his peers. That's right, with his peers, in collaboration with his peers. You and I have read these copies of the magpie. There's a lot of poems in there. Yeah. Right. And here's Baldwin, perhaps influenced by his peers. Yeah. And I think that's important to note because when we look at authors, whoever your favorite author might be, we always look at them in a vacuum in, in, in a world of their own creation. Yeah. Right. We, we never see them as collaborating with somebody else or getting an idea from somebody else or comparing their writing with right. somebody else. Right. It's almost impossible to do that. But here in the Magpie, Jimmy was a poet. Yeah. Why was he a poet? It's well, because everybody else was a poet. Yeah. Maybe. That's right. I don't know. Yeah. It also has something to do with, you know, I go back to that famous essay by the great Audre Lorde, who was one of Baldwin's conversants. Um, her, her essay, Poetry is Not a Luxury, mm. where she talks about how poetry as a form is so can be so freeing and experimental because of its kind of formlessness. Mm-hmm. Like, think about what a poem is. You kind of... You get it's it's words on a page that are often experimental, often abstract. They can be reflective. They can be analytical. There's so much you can do with poetry as a literary form. And so I think for young people, even why today, when you think about how young people come to certain literary forms, very often poetry is the first form that young writers come to because they get to things don't have to be perfect. You know, there's oftentimes this emphasis on having things rhyme. But outside of that, people, when they write poems, 
it's kind of a stream of conscious. It can be a stream of consciousness experience where you're just putting some words on a page and it's not about, is there a plot? Are there characters? It's really about what do I see in this moment? And so what I imagine why I say all this to say one speculation we might have is that poetry was an interesting form for young Baldwin because it allowed him to just get images on the page, just get stuff on the page and and work it out later without having to say, oh, I'm going to have characters and a story arc and a plot and a denouement conclusion. In the poetic form, he can kind of just do what he wants. And so that might be the reason why we see poetry as this early literary form that he's working through, rehearsing to do the work of becoming the great American novelist and essayist. There goes that word again.